0: Our sermon this morning comes from Genesis chapter 1, beginning verse 31. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. We'll let you know that uh, towards the end of the message we'll be in Hebrews chapter 3, in case you want to find that ahead of time. Genesis 1 and verse 31. Hear now the word of God. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished His work that He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. Will you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word in which we now can set our hearts upon. We ask you, Holy Spirit, will you please come and help us to know it and to treasure it. Help to change our lives. Help us to fall more in love with you, Father. Please guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book, See You in a Hundred Years, is a story of the Ward family who left their hectic life in New York City. To live, to move to Southern Virginia. In fact, not far from Drake's Branch where we recently moved from. And there they were going to live in Southern Virginia and recreate life from the 1900s. That is life without electricity, without indoor plumbing, without running water. Heather Ward, the mother and wife of the family, said she was troubled and anxious by having to turn over her firstborn to the care of near strangers during her workday. She said she felt chained to her computer and cell phone and was troubled by this absolute reliance on technology. Her husbands would write, For a long time we loved New York and were thrilled to be there. But having a child suddenly forced us to think about our choices as they would affect him. Also, our jobs kept us pretty stressed out. This was around 2000 and email had really caught on. Heather and I felt that technology that was supposed to make our lives easier was making us feel enslaved. There seems to be a restlessness in our nation these days. People seem to be overwhelmed with life. It almost seems as if life, the pace of life is is going faster and faster and at an increasingly greater rate. Many live lives that are hectic and anxious and full of stress. If you, I think, talk to people and ask them about the peace of their life, they wouldn't want to talk to you about the peace that they have in life. They wouldn't want to talk to you about the stress that they have in their life. Stress about money, stress about work, stress about family, stress about their church, stress about their health, stress throughout their life, stress in this nation even, the world. So what about you? Are you stressed? Are you anxious, overwhelmed, burning the candle at both ends? Does that describe your life? Some find life exhausting. I can relate. In fact, I decided I'm going to preach to myself this morning. I hope that's okay. You all can listen in. It is tiring living in the carnation. My wife and I even have to calendar our calendar days when we get together and plan out the next couple of weeks. Who's going to what doctor? Who are we having over for hospitality? Who has swim lessons? Where is the co-op going to be this week? And on and on. What evening meetings are you going to have this week? Are you going to any conferences? Are any babies going to be delivered in the couple, next couple weeks? <laughs> we, we take a couple preemptive Tylenol before we sit down and do our calendar days. I'm, I, I'm getting tired just thinking about it. Life seems to be tiring. Exhausting. Rest seems to be elusive. Just out of grasp. I wonder what God has to say about this. I wonder if he has some advice for us this morning in his scripture in this elusive search for rest. Because I'm not sure the solution is cutting off the electricity and shutting down the email. By the way, the Ward family lasted one year. I don't think the solution is even finding more hobbies. I feel like as Americans, we have hobbies coming out of each arm. We have more hobbies than perhaps we ever have, and yet rest still you know, seems to elude us. Perhaps God's Word helps us. For we see in chapter two of Genesis that God Himself rests on this seventh day. And so let's talk about this seventh day today. We we shall see here in Genesis chapter 2 that God finished or completed on the seventh day, that he rested on the seventh day, and that he blessed this seventh day. We first of all see that he completed on the seventh day. This is shown us in verse 1 and in verse 2. Lest the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And so the heavens and the earth are now complete. Uh, This verse is in contrast to to chapter 1 and verse 2. Remember this passage, the earth was without form and void. And so the earth was not fit for people to live there, and there was no one living there. And then we get to Genesis chapter 2, and we see, okay, now the heavens and the earth are complete. And not just that, but but the host of them, those that, that live upon them, are now there. And so we go from beginning to completion, and God does it in a week. And he seems to give us this pattern by, by giving us this week. We, we count everything by weeks. We tell people, I hope you have a, a good week or well, I'll see you next week or we, we organize our life because we have a work week and then we have a, a weekend, right? Everything's in weeks. I wonder why. I mean, why, why seven days? I understand why we have a year. It's the time for the earth to rotate, uh, complete its orbit around the sun. I understand why we have a month. In fact, why we used to have months. It was uh, just the time for the moon to, to orbit the earth in 28 days. I understand why we have a day. 24 hours is the time for the earth to complete its rotation on its axis. But why a week? Well, what in, what in, in cosmology that we look out and say, okay, let's order our life in weeks. It doesn't fit nicely into months. It doesn't fit nicely into years. Well, we do it simply because God planted it in us. God showed us this model. He, he works for six days, and then He rests on the seventh day, and He gives us a week. He gives us work to do, as we considered last week. And then when we do this work of subduing the earth and filling it, He says, okay, I want you to take a day of rest. Take a day off. He loves us. And so He builds us into creation. Once a day, we have a day to once a week we have a, a day to rest we don't really see the command here but we do know in exodus chapter 20 that god actually gives us as a command as one of his 10 commandments the fourth commandment is for us to to honor the sabbath for us to keep this day of rest to, to to recognize this day as god shows us here for in six days god completed his work and on the seventh day he rested and we too are to rest on that seventh day now i understand there's a lot of confusion as to when is this seventh day i mean the seventh day is saturday isn't it and this is the seventh day of week. This is how the Jews understood the Sabbath. This is how they honored the Sabbath and kept the fourth commandment. It was on Saturday. But the church, once Christ raises from the dead, radically changes their, their time in which they worship. And they begin to worship on Sunday because it's the day of the resurrection. In fact, Revelation 12, uh, chapter one will tell us it's the Lord's day, Sunday is. And so they begin to worship on that day. So, so which is it? Is it Saturday or, or is it Sunday? Well, evidently we can't decide in America. So we get both days off. Right, and which I say, God bless America. Right? (laughs) Aren't you glad to be an American? You get them both. We we can decide. You see, God has put this in this pattern into us. But what I think is extraordinary is that we see here in verse one that God finished, and then again in verse two that God finishes His work. You see what God does. Whenever He starts a work, He finishes it. He completes it. I'm very much unlike God in this. I don't know how many projects I've started and didn't complete, how many books I've picked up and have not finished. How many resolutions have you started and not completed? Well, God doesn't do that. Whatever God starts, he finishes. I take great encouragement in this because you know what? God has started a work in my life. And he started a work in your life. And Sometimes we feel alone. Sometimes we feel like we're not moving anywhere. Sometimes we feel tired. We wonder, okay, God, are you working anymore? Are we, are we moving anyplace? Are we headed some direction, God? And God's answer to you this morning is yes, because he finishes what he starts. And he has started a work in your life, and he will finish it. In fact, the scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 1 that I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He will finish your, his work in you, Christian. And one day when he's done, he will take a step back and say, that is very good. In fact, he'll say, that is perfect. Just like my son, Jesus. See, God completes his work. He completed his work on the seventh day. We see, secondly, that God rested on the seventh day. This is clear to us in verse 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So the question is I think, why is God resting? Is he exhausted? Is he worn out? Creating all things, after all, is a big job. Well, the prophet, I think, answers this in Isaiah chapter 40, saying, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. And so when we see that God rested, it's not like he had a hard week and he just wants to put on some comfortable clothes and sit in the easy chair with a, with a remote and some popcorn. He's just not beat. He's just not worn out. The rest simply means he stopped. He stopped doing what he had started. That's what that word means. He ceased his activity. And I believe that God did so because he took a deep pleasure in what he made, a satisfaction in his work. He He did all this work of creation, and creation lacked nothing. And then he steps back and gives it its highest commendation. It is very good, and he takes a great pleasure in that. I think simply the seventh day is an opportunity for God to to stop working and to enjoy that which he has made. In fact, Exodus 31 is an interesting verse in referencing the Sabbath when it says, The Sabbath is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and on the seventh day he rested, now note this, and was refreshed. not that interesting? God was refreshed. God took satisfaction. He took delight in what he made. He admired his handiwork. Whenever you make something, don't don't you stop and, and enjoy it? Right? Whenever I mow the lawn, I, I, next thing I do is I pull up a chair and stare at it for a little bit. Look what I've done. Right? I've subdued the earth. Right? Right? You, you painters, you, you paint something, you, you, you hang it on the wall, you don't put it in a closet, you want to admire it, you want to take delight in it, you woodworkers, you, you build a chair, and, and you just don't tuck it away, you sit in it, you look at it. I remember when I finished my master's thesis, uh, 130 pages of six months work, and I just sat it on the desk there, and I just stared at it for a couple hours. And, and took delight in it. I, I do that with my children now. I just, all the chaos of all, all of them running around. I said, look what I've made. I've made a nation. This is amazing. <laughs> you stop and delight in this, and this is what God has, is calling for us to do, that God richly delights in his work. He takes pleasure in it. This is good, he says. This is very good. Some people work too much, I think. You, you, you perhaps know people like that. Maybe you're a person like that. Little delight in life, little refreshment, just work and work and work. You know, people that perhaps buy vacation houses and never take time to use them. Or marry a beautiful woman and never take time to date her. Have a bunch of children and never take time to roll on the ground with them or shoot them with a Nerf gun. Right? We, we, we have all these things, all these wonderful things which God has given us in it. Some of us are, are too busy to enjoy them. That's why so many people burn out and are full of anxiety and depression. Life is not meant to go like that. I mean, we need to read the manual. It tells us how to live. And life is not meant to go, 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 go. Yes, work hard for six days, be like God, and then rest and enjoy and revive, slow down. I mentioned I'm not very good at this, but we're trying to get better at this in our house. We understand that if we don't guard this time, it's just going to be collapsed with activity. And so my, day's off, my day off is Friday. I'm generally in the office all day Saturday, but for Friday, I just that's, that's the carn kind of Sabbath. We don't do school on Friday. Daddy's home on Friday. In fact, you're taking notes, you may want to write that down. Friday is the pastor's Sabbath. All right, so... Um, <laughs> Right? And so we, we don't do much on Friday. And, and Friday morning, I get up early and I, I grab about half our kids and we go to Harris Teeter Friday morning and um, there's a Starbucks there. And so um, we go there and get some coffee. Um, not for the kids. They get, they get donuts, but I get coffee for my wife and I and we just have a good time. We're silly. Come home and, and I send the kids away with their donuts and I grab my, my bride and, and we go sit on our front steps and drink coffee and Enjoy about ten minutes of of each other. was my favorite things in the world. My children, my wife, coffee. It was just wonderful. Um, We try to protect that time. We have that Sabbath time, that time to enjoy life. And yet, I think some people struggle with this because they think that I got too much to do. I just got too much to do. I mean, if I don't get things done, you know what's going to happen? And I'll just tell you, friends, your job's not that important. You're not that important. I, I trust what your job is not creating everything. God created everything. That's an important job. And then he rested. And, and if God could, could work in the rest in his life, I, th- I think we ought to rest. Even Jesus rested. you know that? You think about all the hurting people, all the people with knees, all the people with d- demon possession and blindness and lameness, and, and you think he could just go, 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 minister, 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 but he did it. In fact, the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 6, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest for a while. You guys need a break. You've been working too hard. And I understand there are people who who need help, but, but you need to get away. And I think this is hard for us, but we need to trust God. God says, I will take care of it. You need a break. Take a nap. I'm in control. I think this is especially hard, if I can relate this into my own life once again, for mothers, finding this Sabbath rest, because you know who comes with you on your Sabbath? Your children, right? And they like to eat on the Sabbath, and they make messes on the Sabbath, and they fill diapers on the Sabbath. I've tried to tell them to give their diaper a rest. It's the Sabbath. They don't listen. It's hard. It's hard. But if we are to have, I think, a fruitful life, an abundant life, we need to find a way in which to take a nap or go on a date with your spouse or soak in the tub or spend time in the Word. This is necessary for us. God has given us this command. These are not optional extras for us. You cannot farm a field ceaselessly. You have to give it rest. God has placed this into creation. He wants you to slow down, take a nap, relax, relax. Have a rest. Jesus took a nap, didn't he? In fact, you know when Peter was in prison and, and they had just killed James, the, the apostle, and now Peter's in prison. We don't know what's going to happen to Peter. And the whole church gathers together and they're having an all night prayer vigil, just earnestly calling out to God free Peter, free Peter, free Peter. You know what Peter's doing? He's sleeping, he's tired, he needs a rest. The Bible doesn't judge him for that. In fact, he's just being obedient. i got to slow down. This is who our God is. He wants us to slow down and take a rest. Enjoy life, God says. I command you to enjoy the life in which I've given you. And some of us say, oh, I don't like God tell me what to do. Some of my kids, you guys have to, got to take a nap. We don't want to take a nap, they say. It will go better for you if you take It will go better for everyone if you take a nap. the same thing God is saying, listen, I love you. You need to rest. You need to enjoy. He's a good father. Rest today, will you? Go for a walk today. Read a book. Spend some time with your wife. Go outside, look up, and just enjoy God and appreciate him. Maybe go to bed early this evening. and, And don't feel guilty. Feel obedient. Feel worshipful that you are following God's pattern. Well, we see lastly that God not only completed on the seventh day and rested on the seventh day, but he blessed that seventh day. We see this in verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. He blessed it. We've seen two blessings before this in Scripture in our study of Genesis. Chapter 1, and chapter 1, God blesses his creation in order that it may be fruitful. And now here's the third blessing we see, and I think what he's doing is he's blessing this seventh day because it's supposed to be fruitful for us. I think we're going to work better and live better if we actually keep to this pattern that he gives us. I think we'll be fruitful spiritually as well. I think it helps us to appreciate God. It helps us to stop and take inventory of our life and think about our relationship with God. And so he blessed it, but you also see he did more than that. If you continue on in verse 3, he says he made it holy. Now this is the first holy thing we've seen in Scripture. The first hallowed, exalted thing. It means it's something that's set aside and it's special, it's sacred. The Bible tells us about a holy temple and holy people and holy places. It says you are supposed to be holy. This church is supposed to be holy. That is, that is, it's supposed to be consecrated to God. It's supposed to be devoted to God. And so God says one day a week, I want you to take some time and devote it to me. I want to get to know you better. I want to hear from you. I want to speak to you. I want to, to speak truth into your life through my word and the spirit. And so he gives us the this, this holy day. And sometimes we think about this holy day, this time to gather with God's people and worship. We we think about it, okay, well, you, it's that day when you, you cinch up the tie and, and you put on uncomfortable clothes and you, you're beat real quiet and you just kind of sit there and don't make a ruckus. A holy day does not equal funeral, okay? In, in fact, we get the word holiday from holy day. It's a day of celebration, it's a day of joy, it's a day of delight. Yes, it's a day of awe, it's a day of reverence, it's a day of trembling as we consider who our God is. But God wants to communicate that this day is a day for us to feast our souls upon his truth amongst one another. It's a day of celebration. I have a good friend who I met down in seminary and he has a bunch of children as well. And every Sunday morning he feeds his children for breakfast ice cream. Don't listen to this, kids. Hold on a second. Close your ears. Every Sunday morning, his kids get ice cream for breakfast. Because he wants to build into that children's understanding that this day is a day of joy. This is a day to rejoice. This is a day to celebrate. Jesus Christ is no longer in the grave. He has risen. And we are going to party because it's a holy day. It's a holiday. And God has given it to us. He blesses it. He wants it to, to be fruitful in our lives. I wonder, how do you prepare for this day? I, have you thought about that? How, do, how am I going to prepare for this day to gather together with God's people and to worship Him? I appreciate what one author wrote. He says, how many Sundays have I woken up late, reached church in a rush, sat down in a pew groggy, worshipped distractingly, listened occasionally, and remembered very little? church service has become so second nature that we can do it in our sleep and some of us do right? <laughs> friends i think how you approach this day communicates how you esteem and value god my family has considered this in fact our preparation for sunday morning worship begins on saturday night we we almost always of course we didn't do it last night but god knew i was going to say this but we almost always on saturday night have our family worship Now, we have family worship most nights, but sometimes we we miss it. But we almost always have it on Saturday night. We study the text. It's going to be preached. We pray for the service. We go to bed early. We don't stay up on Saturday night because we want to come to church alert and awake. We set out our clothes Saturday night beforehand. Because if we didn't, we'd get here around 1130. We don't want to be rushed. We don't want to be anxious. We don't want to be bickering. We don't want to be stressed out pulling to church to worship our God. We want to come with a great celebration and hope and delight in our hearts. So what we have to do as a family is we we arrange our Saturday nights to prepare for this because I want to teach my children. In fact, I want to teach my own soul that my God is worthy of my best, not leftovers, and so I want to come and worship with you with my best mind and my best heart. We restrict what we watch on television on Saturday night. We don't watch on Saturday night what we watch on Tuesday night, for instance. Not that we watch anything sinful, but we don't want to fill our minds with silliness. We, we want to fill our minds with awe and reverence and joy, and so often we just turn off the television and we just spend time more time together as a family. And, and I, I'm telling you this not because I, I'm, I'm telling you you have to do this. You don't have to do this. You don't do this. It's totally fine. God's going to lead you in those convictions. But I want you to understand that the way you come to this holy day Communicate something about how you understand it. And so I hope you would consider that. Perhaps some of those ideas would be helpful. The thing we do not want to do is legislate this day. Right? They were doing that in the New Testament. It did not go well. Because this day is a gift to us. It's a present. It's a holiday. God says take a holiday every seventh day. And the last thing we want to do is start making a bunch of rules about it. Everybody wants, can I mow the lawn? Can I go out to lunch? Can I I go shopping? Everybody wants to know, "Am am I allowed to do these things? Well, I don't know. Well, you, you talk to God about that, but I'm not going to tell you because God doesn't tell you and we're not going to start placing laws on these things in order to, to pervert it. Jesus says in Mark chapter two, listen, you were not made for the Sabbath. I didn't have this thing. I really love the Sabbath and I'm going to get a bunch of people to serve it. No, he says, I love you. And the Sabbath is made for you because I want to give you this wonderful gift. And so use it as a gift, this holy day, this blessed day that he gives us. And we praise the Lord that he completed on that seventh day and that that he rested on that seventh day and he blessed that seventh day. But this seventh day, I believe, the New Testament teaches us in Hebrews chapter 3. is just not a day of the week, but it's a pointer to something far more profound. In fact, I believe this Sabbath that God begins to teach us, it really is what God is pointing to as an eternal Sabbath. The new heavens and the new earth. In fact, the Bible in Colossians 2 and verse 16 tells us, Let no one pass judgment on you in regards to the Sabbath. This is a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The Sabbath is a pointer. It's a shadow. The substance is Jesus. And the eternal rest he will give us. We see this here in Hebrews chapter 3. We pick up in verse 16. We're just jumping right in the middle. Hopefully, you'll be able to follow me. But what's what he's talking about are the people in which God redeemed out of Israel and is, uh, excuse me, redeemed out of Egypt and are leading to Israel. And remember they get to the border and they said, "We don't want to go in. There are big people there and and they don't trust God." God says, "I've given it to you. Just go take it." No, we don't want to. Those are the people he's talking about. Look in verse 16. For those for who were those who heard I'm in chapter 3, excuse me. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? Now note verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his... What is it? Rest. But to those who were disobedient. And so what he begins to tell us is that the promised land is a picture of of this rest in which God gives us. So think about promised land that God says is a land of rest. But now read chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands. Now what's he talking about? Is he saying the promise of you getting into the promised land still stands? No, he's not talking about promised land anymore. He's talking about this eternal rest, this new heaven and this new earth, an eternal Sabbath rest where we enjoy God and his goodness forever. And we know this because if you jump down to verse 8 of chapter 4, he says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So Joshua actually leads them into the promised land, but he says they still didn't get the rest. There's another day, he says. There's another rest to come. Well, what is it? Verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains for you a Sabbath rest. He's speaking about the heaven and earth when he recreates it all. And you and I shall live perpetually in this day of Sabbath glory of rest and joy and delight. In fact, if you notice, in on this seventh day, he never says, then there was evening, then there was morning, the seventh day. He never closes it. Many theologians think because it was never supposed to end. it was There never had an end. We're just supposed to spoil, enjoy this Sabbath delight with God forever. And yet we messed it up, as we'll see later on. In Genesis chapter 3. And so he points us to this day of celebration. How do I get into this eternal rest? Look in chapter 4 verse 3. For we who have believed enter that rest. We do by believing. Trusting. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, may I tell you, friends, that you may enter heaven. Not by goodness or works or righteousness. Righteousness. You may be a very good person. But the Bible tells us that you have lived a life in disregard to the one who made you. We call that sin. It's rebellion. And the wonderful thing is that though good God would judge you, he has sent Jesus Christ to die upon the cross, that he would take your punishment upon him. And he would raise three days later victorious from the grave, showing us that God received that sacrifice. And here in Hebrews chapter 4, and verse 3, he says, If you believe if you trust, if you bend that knee to King Jesus, you will enter this rest. In fact, in some sense, I think Jesus is the rest. In fact, I don't think the Sabbath is just a place or a day. I think ultimately it's found in Christ. And Jesus himself said, doesn't he, in Matthew chapter 11, come all who are weary and heavy laden. All of you who are just beat up by keeping the law and trying to earn the love of God. And I will give you rest. He goes on and says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, the burden of saving yourself has been lifted. You do not have to work to find that salvation. Christ has done that work for you. You just rest in Christ. Are you resting in Christ today? Have you found that rest in Him? No more anxiety, no more fear, no more trepidation as to whether I will stand before God and find Him as a righteous judge. If you rest in Christ, all that is cast aside and all you know is the love of your Creator who is now your Father. Our rest is found in Jesus. And so we here have finished the account of creation. I think five weeks now. To study how God made it from this, made all things from this ancient document beginning in Genesis 1-1. And we've seen that God has made everything. And He has made it very good and He has given it to us. He says, I want you to explore this world that I've made and enjoy it and be in awe of me because of it and, and consider the majesty of me and just, just delight in this world, right? And just blessing after blessing. Eat pie, drink coffee, have a spouse. I just, he gives us these, these great gifts. He gives us, in fact, he does give us a spouse that we could grow old together, hand in hand. And, and he blesses us in order that we may have children and find that great delight in, 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 in creating new life like our God does. In fact, he made us, didn't he? We've seen. He's, in fact, he, 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 we belong to God. He created us. We're going to God. And we belong to God today. And, and He has made us in His image even, in His own likeness. And therefore, every single person on the face of this earth has dignity and value and worth. Not because you like them or agree with them or they even share your faith, but because they have the image of God in them. And they are like God. And He tells us, therefore, I want you as my image bearers to love one another and be united together Because God in his very nature loves himself within that trinity and is perfectly united. And Jesus would pray, Father, I pray that you would make them one as you and I are one, that the world would know you have sent me. By this, all men will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And as God's image bearers, he calls us to love each other in our life and be united. And then he gives us work to do, this great, fulfilling, meaningful work. And on top of that, he gives us a weekly holiday in which we we may praise Him, rest, take a nap, as we endeavor to show the world what God is like by caring for this world and loving one another and forgiving one another and living as a united people. And yet, that's not what the world is like. Because sin has come. And God must look in this world and say, this is not what I made. This is not how it's supposed to be. And now all work is separated from any allegiance to God and we work for, for money. Not to honor God or to help others. And Most of the world focuses on themselves and we're told we need to esteem ourselves and think of ourselves and love ourselves. And therefore we evaluate everything by how it ministers or blesses us. And if we find it inconvenient, we toss it aside. And so we abort our children because they're inconvenient. and We break our marriage vows because they're inconvenient. And we neglect our church because it's inconvenient. And we take this world in which God has made and we abuse it and destroy it for gain and greed. And we fill it with pollution and cause animals in which God has made to die and go extinct. And all these image bearers around this world, half of them live in abject poverty, the other in affluence. And God's image bearers often decide to take up weapons and kill each other. We have even a place in our country called Hollywood that creates new ways to sin and puts it on our television and all of us just drink it in and find it entertaining. We toss aside any respect for gender in which God has made, any respect for marriage in which God has made, any respect for sex in which God has made, any respect for children in which God has made. Our work has become a burden and a toil rest has become elusive because we don't trust God and it's just simply not what he made. It's not very good anymore, at least like he made it. And yet the wonderful thing is that God is gracious. And so he sends Jesus to show us what life is supposed to be like because we obviously can't obey his commands. And so he needs to come and actually live it out before us. And so he shows us how to work and he shows us how to rest and he shows us how to worship and how to live in community and how to love each other and forgive and defend the helpless and to to sacrifice and to give one another. He lived it perfectly. He alone was very good. And probably because of that, we killed him. We nailed him to a cross. And as he was dying there on the cross, he had one last word for us. It is finished. Because God completes what he starts. God completed creation. Jesus completed redemption. And he says to us, you don't have to add anything to it. I'm not looking for you to be a good person, so I would love you. I'm not looking for you to work, so I would love you. He leaves nothing for you and I to do except to fall in love with him and rest in his work, in his death, that we might begin to follow him. We might begin to live like we're supposed to live, and we might, in the midst of growing darkness, Say, I'm going to be a light. We are going to be a light. We will not go the way of sin and darkness as it rushes down into hell. We will stand. And we will show the world what God is like. We are His image bearers. We have been called to this work and we will live in community and love one another and forgive one another and live our lives for God and not for ourselves. We will consider Him to be first and foremost. He says, I'm going to transform you. I'm going to recreate you. And when I awaken in people's hearts, the life they're living is not what they're supposed to live. There's going to be the alternative staring them at the face, a light shining in the darkness. This is your calling. You live in a fallen world in which God has made. One day He will recreate it, but right now He is recreating you that you may be like God. Understand this, brothers and sisters. God does not exist for you. You exist for Him. For His glory and for your eternal joy. May we find great delight in this calling. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you that you're so good to us. Tomorrow we're going to work, Father, most of us. We pray that we would work well, that we would work as your image bearers. And today, for for most of us, is a day of rest. And so I pray you help us to rest well. Help us to enjoy each other. Help us, those who need to take a nap or get by themselves or take a break. We need to recover. We need to be refreshed. We need to enjoy all the blessings which you've given us. Will you please help us to do that well? We can't even rest well, Father. I pray for my brothers and sisters here that find this especially elusive. Those who are just running 100 miles an hour every day. Father, will you help them to reorient their life? Some people have to make some major changes in their life. Will you please help them to understand how good you are and how much you love them? I pray that you help this church. Father, help us to move forward. Help us, Father, to have a vision of the type of people we're supposed to be here in Loudoun County. Help us, I pray, to live for the glory of our God, for the eternal gain of our neighbors and the nations. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.